Here we are. We're closing out our series on relationship goals. We've, we've covered a lot of ground, and tonight we are going to finish with a bang. Um, we are going to talk about some things that I think are going to be just, I hope like last week, are very practically helpful to you. I want to start with a quote tonight by uh, a, 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 an unknown author. He's not very well known. His name is C.S. Lewis. Um, and he says this, friendship is born at the moment when one man says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. I love that quote. Here's why. Number one, it's about friendship. And I feel like it encapsulates really well how friendships begin. You meet somebody and there's that, oh, you too, moment. Like maybe you're from the same town. Oh, you're from Oklahoma City? Oh, you, you're an OU fan? Oh, you went to OSU as well? Like there's that moment where like, yeah, you too. Like we're, yes, okay, we have, we have something in common. I remember our, several times in my life where I've done this really well and sometimes I have not done them very well at all. So let me share the second with you because those are always funnier. Um, so when I was in college, I had these, this U2 moment, all right, the, the U2 moment, um, twice. And I went on two dates in college, all right, two dates. And my U2 moment with them, and the reason I asked them out was, oh, you're hot too. And I, so I asked them out, like that was my mentality, like, like you're good looking, I'm good looking, so let's, let's go out to dinner. I've seen that also go, and by the way, that doesn't work well when that's, and we'll get to this in a moment, You've already, I mean, this is one of my soapboxes, but if the only you two thing you have is you're good looking, and I think I'm pretty good looking, so we should probably make this happen, if that's your only thing, then what happened to me will most likely happen to you. And you will go on that date, and it will be incredibly awkward, and you will never talk to that person ever again when you say goodnight at the end of the evening. Happened to me two times. Like we went out, had a, what I thought was a pretty good night, but at some point during that evening, she decided that I was not the one she was going to marry, and we literally never talked again, two times, because the only YouTube moment we had was what was, what was happening here, and so I want to talk about that tonight because in the end, I think C.S. Lewis is right. Friendship is born when two people... They meet, and there's a U2 moment. So I want to talk about some healthy and biblical U2 moments tonight when we're figuring out who is that person, who is the one I should say, yeah, I'll go on a date with you. So that's what I want to talk about tonight is the who of dating. Who are you going to date? Who are you going to marry? Because those are one in the same. And we, you know, we started this whole series, but not, not because... This is a topic we find in scripture, but I know it's a topic that we greatly care about. And honestly, as I work with young adults, this is something that I see a lot of anxiety, a lot of um, tears, a lot of wounds happen through this idea of dating and relationships and engagement and marriage. Like there's a lot of them, there's a, there's a roller coaster of emotions. And so we did this whole series, I'm like, this is, this is a topic that we need to do better. And the Bible gives us principles left and right on how to do this in a biblical way. Because our culture has shown us how, how to do this. Our culture has informed you, whether you know it or not, who you should date. Our culture has opinions on that. You've grown up in that culture. I grew up in that culture. And so tonight I wanna 
talk about this idea of who. Who should you date? But before we get there, I want to rewind very quickly to this from week one. We use this. This is when I had a little pad of paper, right? This is the same thing. This is that worldview idea. And and one of the heart purposes that we did this was I want to, in some way, in a friendly and loving and caring way, I want to challenge your worldview on how you see dating. From a secular worldview to a biblical worldview. And what we talked about, if you weren't here, was you start at the, at the top and you work your way down. All right, the top one, it says, what is real and what is true? Whatever that is for you will determine for you then what is actually ultimately good. And what you determine is ultimately good is what you actually do, right? Our beliefs inform our action. And so we walked through this the very first week. And then at the very end, I don't know if you, if you remember, if you were here, I challenge you to, to start thinking, uh, to start over with how you date and start identifying, well, what is real and true for you, right? If, if it's God and his word, then what is good is knowing God. And if what, uh, knowing God is what is good, then we're going to date according to the principles of scripture, That's what we did week one. I want to end with this same idea because I think the who fits right into this. At the very end of uh, the very first week, I challenge you, all right, if you really want to know what you believe, start with the what you have done in the past in your dating life. So for tonight, you need me to say, who have I dated? And what does that say about what I believe is good? And then from what is good, what does that say about me, what I believe is actually real and true? Because if you, I think if we war, work through these kind of processes, it's going to really reveal some things about us. Some good, maybe some uncomfortable. That maybe, like me in, in, in college, what I did was I asked out two girls that I had never had a conversation with before in my life because they were pretty. And what that tells me is my, the ultimate good was having um, a trophy girlfriend, that's good, so that people would, would, would look at us. And so what that means, what I believe is ultimately true and valuable is that the image in which I project, the person next to me, is going to give me value to the world that, that is out there. No wonder those relationships didn't work. So here's where we're going to start tonight. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to be in, uh, it's on the very right side of your Bible, a little bit before Revelation. And we're going to be in one verse here tonight, and then we're going to skip around a little bit to a couple others. But as you turn there, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, let's read it. It says, therefore, which by the way, if you ever see the word therefore in scripture, you got to ask yourself, what's it there for? Right? So back up a little bit, all right, and say, well, let's read the chapter before the therefore to kind of give some context. And if you look at chapter 11, what we see is what a lot of people call the hall of faith. We see story after story after story of different characters from the Bible and how they lived out their lives faithfully. So therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, sorry, I need to put on the screen here. Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, the author of Hebrews is using an an analogy of running with endurance, the race set out before you, all right? And and the author here is writing for one simple reason, and that is to encourage Christians to run the race. And that's my very first point. And who you should date, you need to, number one, run your race. 
Let me explain what this means. In Hebrews chapter 11, the author is saying, run, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If you're running a race, you know where the finish line is. And that is where you're running. You have a goal in mind and that's where you're going. So when it comes to who should you date, you need to ask yourself some questions. Who is running in the same direction that I'm running? Who is running in the same direction? Are we running in the same way? Do we have the same goal in mind? And when I say you need to run your race, what I'm saying is don't change the race you're running to get somebody else. Run your race. That race is be the faithful Christian life. And while you're pursuing the things of God, while you're running that race, every once in a while, look up and see who's running next to you. Who's running in the same direction? Because guys, I'll be honest with you. Like when we, when we talk about this dating process of evaluation, like who should you date, you're gonna come across a lot of people, right? If you're going this way, there's gonna be people coming this way, there's gonna be people coming this way, there's gonna be people going that way and that way. You're gonna run into a lot of people, but guess what? In this process, the biblical process of evaluation of character and things like that, you may have someone that you're going this way and they're coming across your path and you're gonna meet. And you're like, hmm, He's pretty handsome. Wow, she's really cute. Like, there's, they're really witty and charming. They're funny. Oh, man, I really like it. They give me warm and fuzzies. Like, this is good. Okay. Like, you're going to have those, but here's the deal. There's going to be a moment where you guys connect, right? They're running their race, you're running, and you're going to connect. And at that moment, you're like, hmm, maybe. But guess what's going to happen? If you start dating and pursuing someone who's running a different race, you're eventually going to drift. When you first meet, it's going to be warm and fuzzy. But eventually, as time goes on, unless you guys are running to the same end, you guys are going to go like this. You'll start here and you'll go like this. So you need to run your race. Don't waver on your race because there's gonna be, like I said, there's gonna be a good looking guy or a good looking gal or really someone who makes you feel really encouraged and, and whatever. And, and you're gonna be like, okay, well, let's find out what race they're running. Are they running the same race towards Jesus that you are? This kind of evaluation, like I said, means you're gonna have to turn down a lot of cute, witty, charming, beautiful people. You're gonna have to just let them go. You're just gonna have to let them go. Because this is what we do. We come up with lists, don't we? We kind of have our list of like my type, the person I would like to end up with, right? So for like girls, like this may be something like your list. I want a tall guy, but not too tall. I want him to have a good job. I want him to be handsome. I want him to be charming. I want him to make me laugh, but I don't want him to be obnoxious. I want him to have a good job with a good income, but I, and I also want him to be super sensitive, but buff like the rock. Like, we, like in the back of our minds, you may have some list a little bit like that. Guys, you may have a similar list. Like, she's got to be shorter than me. I know somebody that knows how to have fun, someone that's into football as much as I am, someone who loves to go fishing, someone who loves the outdoors. Like, we have these lists. And I'm not saying in any way that, hey, lists are, are, are bad, but I'm saying 
You need to find somebody who's running the same race first. Run your race. Pursue the things of Jesus. And then every once in a while, look up and look around and be like, hey, is anybody running with me? That's why I, like, I love, like, my wife and I, you've heard me tell this story before, like, we met serving in K-Life. Like, we were running the same race, and I got to watch her. She got to watch me. And we weren't dating. Like, we were together, we were in the same room, in the same, like, stuff for, like, six months before I even recognized that she was even in the room. But we were running the same race, and that's how we met. So we run your race. Because in the end, just like C.S. Lewis said, we're looking for friendship. We're ultimately looking for friendship. Like, we want to marry our best friend. And so let's find that person by running our race, and you will find those you two moments. Oh, like you too. Oh, you serve there too? Oh, awesome. I do too. You go to the gathering? Oh, you too? Oh, awesome. You from Oklahoma City? Okay, great. Where do you go to church? Cross? Oh, you too? Like, these are good things because you're running the race in the same direction. In the end, guys, you're looking for a companion, not a commodity. And when we start making lists and checking them off, what will we actually do? It sounds a lot more like you're ordering McDonald's special burger or you're creating a playlist on your phone versus trying to seek a companion. Because we want to marry our best friend not a customized commodity that we try and put together perfectly. Because the danger in doing that is they will ultimately fail us. So run your race. Take that list you've got and put the brakes on it. I found a great story back in 2008, Match.com. Online dating was really becoming a big deal. And Match.com hired um, a, chief, a new chief algorithms officer. Don't ask me what that means, it's some math thing. You can probably ask Cole, he'll know what that is. Um, but this guy came in because they were not seeing the, uh, the success rate that they wanted to see. They didn't see the success rate that they wanted to advertise, so they brought this new chief algorithms officer to be like, hey, why are people not connecting? What's going on? What's wrong with our program? And so he started doing all the research and running all the numbers, and he started looking at um, what people said they wanted in a mate, and then he tracked those people to what they ended up with, who they ended up with. And the amazing thing is, the realization that he came to was what they ended up with had zero correlation to what they said they were looking for. And so what that tells me is these lists that we have in our head, we're trying to create a commodity. And Ben Stewart in his book, one of the books we just gave away, he says this, he goes, in, in, in his time what he's realized is, is when people make lists, they're actually just making a list of an idealized version of themselves. Like, I want to be funny. I want to travel. I want to be witty. I want, like, and we create a list of people that are actually just idealized versions of ourselves. I thought that was so good. Versus just saying, you know what, I'm going to run my race. And every once in a while, I'm going to look up and say, who's running in the same direction? And then let's go on a date and see how things go because we're looking for a companion, not a commodity. Number two, who you date, you need to know your non-negotiables. We talked about this a little bit last week. When it comes to dating, you have gotta know your non-negotiables. 
Like I told you last week, my friend that had like 62 things on his list, like throw away the list of 62 and let's figure out like three or four non-negotiables. That if they meet these things that I'm gonna go on, I'll go on a date with you. I'll give you one shot. You're, it's worth coffee, right? Second Corinthians, we're, we're gonna be here real quick. I'll, I'll throw up on the screen. Second Corinthians chapter six, 14 through 16 says this. Do not be yoked with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. There's a non-negotiable right there. Like we need to be dating and marrying believers, people who are running the race of Christ. So I wanted to give you three suggestions on non-negotiables. Because there's one thing for me to say, hey, you need to know your non-negotiables. I want to give you some things to chew on, some things to think about. Like, well, is that a non-negotiable for me? Again, going back to our, our early slide of like, who have you dated in the past and have, have they in any way met your non-negotiables? All right, number one. We need to have an aligned allegiance, okay? An aligned allegiance. I looked at this one, I, I was very careful not to say you need to marry a Christian or date a Christian. Because if you have lived in Oklahoma at any t- for any length of time, you know that most people in Oklahoma would probably at some, if pushed, would say, yeah, I'm a Christian. I grew up in the church. I know who Jesus is. Like, yeah, I go to church on Sunday. And so I want to be careful. I think the word allegiance hits it much more succinctly. And this is what allegiance means. It means loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior. Let me say that again. Loyalty or commitment of a subordinate to a superior. So as we look at potential dates, we have got to ask, what is their allegiance? Where, where does their allegiance lie? Because I'll tell you this, everyone has an allegiance. Everyone is loyal and committed to something or someone. Our culture we live in is absolutely loyal and absolutely committed to pleasure. That is what they're committed to. And our culture will use people to that end, to no end. So what is their allegiance? What are they loyal to? If you're running your race for Christ and and your allegiance and commitment and loyalty are to Jesus Christ, then date someone with the same allegiance. You've got to align those allegiances. Romans 12, 16 says this, live in harmony with one another. So as, as I like to do, I look up the word harmony. What does that word mean in the original Greek? It says this, That word harmony means to be the same mind, to cherish the same views, to be harmonious. To have the same mind, to see things the same way. And guys, I can't think of anything more uh, than your faith in Jesus Christ being the most important thing that you need to be aligned with in your dating life. Someone who is aligned with the same allegiance that you have. Are they surrendered to Christ? It's the most important thing. Secondly, the second non-negotiable that I would offer you is this. Are they a pursuer of God? Because there is a big difference. There is a monumental difference between someone who attends church and someone who is pursuing Christ. Monumental difference. One person is, go- is attending an event. The other person is humbly walking and running a race towards Jesus. Just by coming to something doesn't mean we're pursuers of Christ. A good question to ask is, are they pursuing Christ or just attending stuff? 
Here's a, here's a good question. Were they pursuing Christ before they met you? Did they have a faith before they met you? Did they go to church before they met you? Or is that just part of the charade? Like, I'm gonna, I'll go to church with you. I want you to like me, so I'll do the things that you wanna do. Let me offer this. Philippians 1, 19 through 11 says this. I pray that, Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day Christ returns. You hear what he's imploring them is to pursue Christ. That your knowledge and understanding would grow more and more and more. That you would grow in your faith. And here's the cool thing. I love the word. It says, pray that your love would overflow. Because what happens when something overflows? Everything around it gets wet. When you are dating someone who is pursuing Christ and they are overflowing in their understanding and knowledge and they're growing, guess what's gonna happen? It is going to overflow into your life. It's gonna overflow into your life. If they're overflowing in their, in their knowledge and understanding of Christ, if they're pursuing Jesus, it's gonna overflow into you. And guess what that's gonna do? It's gonna be like spiritual steroids for you. Like what the, the time they're spending in God's word is going to bless you. The time that the knowledge that they're coming up with, with uh, in their study of God's word is going to increase your knowledge and understanding of God's word. It's spiritual steroids, which then means, so if they're gonna overflow and that's spiritual steroids for you, then that means you're, it's gonna accelerate your spiritual growth. You know what I'm saying? If you're gonna date someone who's a pursuer of Christ, it will accelerate your spiritual growth. If it's not accelerating your spiritual growth, then you gotta ask yourself, is that person pursuing Christ? Or are they just attending stuff? Like I remember when I first met Taylor, my wife. Like I said, we served in a ministry for six months before like, God peeled the layers off my eyes. And it was during a prayer meeting. Like we were just praying for our students, we were praying for our small groups. And I was the area director and so we were kind of running this thing and so we said, hey, we're just gonna do some popcorn prayer on prayer around the room. And so we started praying, and all of a sudden, this girl on the other side of the room started praying and weeping for her small group girls. And I did one of these things. I was like, half in awkwardness because she was crying. And two, I was like, who is this girl who is crying on behalf that her girls would know Jesus? Like that, I need, who is that? And that, in that moment, God just took the, the blinders off my eyes. I was like, hey, she loves Jesus, and she's pretty cute. Because we were running the same race and our allegiance was aligned and I knew she was a pursuer of Jesus. The last non-negotiable that I would offer you is this. Pace. Pace matters. Pace matters. And what do I mean by that? I mean that you need to find someone who is running the race in the same direction you're running. Someone who is aligned with Christ the way you are aligned with Christ. Someone who is running at the same pace that you are. Because ladies, let me address you for a minute. If you're dating a guy and he says he's a Christian, but every time we go to church or we listen to music in the car or we come to the gathering, whatever, you're having to pull him along. Like, come on, let's go, come on. And he's like, okay, whatever. Well, guess what? If you're having to drag him now 
when he's trying to impress you? What's gonna happen when he no longer has to impress you because he put a ring on it? You're gonna find yourself married to a guy that you are dragging along with you through life. And guys, same for, for you with the ladies. So you, can, you need to look, are they running at the same pace? Are they pursuing Christ at the same pace I am? It's one of the things I loved about Taylor. When, when we dated, we would have faith conversations and it would honestly, and this is not cliche, it would be like, I wanna know God more because I know she loves God and that makes her attractive to me and me attractive to her. So I'm gonna, I'm, we're gonna run this together. We're gonna go, we're, we're pushing each other. Second Corinthians 6 says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Because what does that do? That, that, that yoke, this is that actual like oxen yoke where it goes over the necks of two cows. It says, don't be unequally yoked. It means be on the same pace. If one is stronger and one is weaker, guess what's gonna happen? They're just gonna go around in circles and they're gonna wear each other out. Be equally yoked. Date somebody who loves Jesus, who's running towards Jesus at the same pace. If you have to drag them along, now it's not gonna get better when you get married. It's just not. And then this, and I'll be honest with you, all of this is based on the assumption that you're doing these things, that you are pursuing Christ, that you're pursuing. Right, there's, it goes back to my example several weeks ago of the trout fishing. Like if we wanna catch the trout, we can't just assume that we're, that, we're the bait, right? You have to be the thing that the person you want to marry wants to marry. Does that make sense? You're gonna run at the same pace. And that's what we're doing here at The Gathering. We wanna build you up and we wanna produce people who are pursuing Jesus and making Jesus known. And so if you're like, Andy, I don't know how to do that, man. We wanna, know, we wanna talk to you. I wanna help you. I wanna help you pursue Jesus in a way that overflows into the lives of those around you so that they will be blessed. That's what this community is all about. Thirdly, who should you date? You need to find a good fit. Find a good fit. And, and to use another word, chemistry. You need some chemistry. Now, I know several weeks ago, I was like, but Andy, didn't you say character over chemistry? I'm like, yes, but I didn't say no chemistry. I said chemistry shouldn't be the first and only thing. Because at some point, the chemistry will go up and down. Character stays steady. So there's four sections of, of, under, under this that I, that I think we need to address. Number one, do you have chemistry uh, theologically? Okay, and you're like, Andy, what are you talking about? I, I know this is a little bit weird on the dating talk, but who should you date? you need to have some theological conversations. Like, you need to know, do we believe the same thing? Like, can we go to church together? Like, do we like the same church, right? What are your spiritual gifts? What are my spiritual gifts? Do they, do they work together to the same end? Like, do you like, you know, like for me, like I, I'm kind of a worship guy that's like this, you know, like, you know, maybe every once in a while I'll go here. But like, if you're, if, if you're that guy, and when you go to church, she's got a bag with tambourines and flags, you may pause for a minute. Like, whoa, okay, we're, we're gonna have a hard time finding a church <laughs> because those two things are, you know, like as far away from each other as possible. But theologically, do you believe the same things? What style of worship? What kind of Bible study do you like? What do you believe about God's word? What gifts has he given you? Do they complement each other? Because whatever gifts God's given you will be the area of passion that you have. If you are a musician, 
And that's the gift God's given you. And the person that you're dating doesn't like music. That could be a problem. Because your area of passion and ministry to the Lord is not going to mesh with them. So theologically, and, and I tell you what breaks my heart is when I do marriage counseling, and I do a lot of it, when I ask the question, so how do you guys talk about your faith together? And they kind of look at each other like, um, and they try and come up with a pithy answer, and, but it's very clear they have never, they're in my office about to get married, and they've never talked about faith. I just look, I'm like, oh, oh dear Lord. This, oh, no, oh, no. Because if they haven't even talked about that, like, that's going to be a problem down the road. Theologically, are you aligned? Uh, secondly, socially. Do you have chemistry socially? Like, can you function together well? Can you be in different environments and be okay? Could you be at the same thing but not be together and be okay? Like, we've seen these, these couples um, often in high school and college. They start dating and they are like this everywhere they go. And they stop having friends because no one wants to go talk to both of them. But can you have a healthy relationship in different places together? I've got a friend, um, he, one of his, like his favorite scenario on the planet is uh, wedding receptions. Because, especially with live music. Because he loves, loves, loves to dance. And a couple of years ago, we were at a wedding here in Oklahoma City. And uh, he had a girlfriend and she was from out of town and, and she came in town. And, they, and he brought her to this wedding, and there was a great band, and we're all you know, having a great time celebrating, eating cake, and, and the band starts playing. And I see my buddy and his girlfriend from out of town leave. I was like, that relationship's not going to work. Because that dude just left his most epic moment, and he hadn't even broken a sweat. And a month and a half later, they broke up. Because socially, I'm like, that... He, I know for a fact that dude, all he wants to do is unbutton the tie, stretch it out, and walk out of there drenched in sweat because he's broken it down for 45 minutes. And he left that wedding, not even touched the dance floor because she didn't want to do it. That's a problem, right? Do your strengths complement each other socially? Like Taylor and I, and, and I say this with all humility, and I, like, I was an idiot in high school. <laughs> If Taylor and I had gone to the same high school, we never would have dated. Ever, 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 ever. Okay? Because she was a musician. She was a, she's an artist, and she's a creative. And she's an introvert. She's a thespian in high school. I was the kid in high school that made fun of thespians. And all I wanted to do was just give me a ball, give me a uniform, put me on the field. I don't care what sport it is. That's all I want to do. And so in high school, it would have been like, I mean, two different worlds. But as I matured, because she was already way more mature than me in high school when, I mean, I was five years older, so I was in college, but those things change. And if those things have not changed for you since high school, maybe you want to take a moment of pause. That list that you had in high school should not be the same list you have as a 25-year-old, 30-year-old. But socially, do you guys get along? Do you like hanging out together? I know that sounds silly, but I had a, uh, I've told the story to some of you guys before. When I was in my early 20s, my roommate got engaged. We had a plumber come over to the house, and uh, he was asking Brian, he said, Brian, you know, uh, how'd you guys meet, blah, blah, blah. And he said, so do you love her? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, well, that's not really the good question. He's like, do you like her? And we were kind of like, Mr. Plumber, man, like, 
What, do you t- what is this sage advice you're trying to give us? He's like, he was, he was, well, you can love someone that you don't like, but you shouldn't marry somebody that you don't like. Like, that's gold. Because that's social chemistry. Do you like hanging out with them in different social environments? Do your groups of friends mesh? Like, look at, look at the kind of friends they have. Look at the kind of friends that you have and say, hmm, do these match? Because someday you're going to have couple friends. And you're going to have to together make friends that you both like. And I'll tell you right now, that is much harder than you think it is to find somebody that we both like. So you look at your friend groups when you're single and say, well, do I like his friends when he's single? Because those are the kind of guys that he runs with. Do I, do, can I get along with her girlfriends uh, while we're single? Right, those are all markers that we can look at and say, is, that, is this the person? Is this the type of person that I can be friends with, best friends with for the rest of my life? Next one is vocationally. Are we vocation? Is there chemistry vocationally? You're like, Andy, that is the weirdest uh, thing I've ever heard. (laughs) No, it's not. Because underneath this comes income, comes lifestyle, comes where are you going to live? How often are you going to move? How often is your job going to take you away from us and our family? Like, is vocationally, are you guys aligned? Is what you, you think of going forward the same thing that they think of? Like, Taylor and I had this conversation. I was like, number one, Taylor, I'm going to be in ministry, so you're never going to have a huge budget. Um, I, and I remember that I was really terrified of this conversation, but I sat down, and once we were getting more serious, I said, Taylor, I feel God's calling my life to be a pastor. What if he calls me to Idaho? Like, that's the state I thought of. I was like, that's my worst case scenario. I'm like, would you be okay if God called me to, would you go with me? And would you be okay with that? Because it's far away from your family. You've never lived outside of Oklahoma. Would you be okay with that? And she said, yeah, I'll be okay with that. I'll go wherever the Lord calls us. It's like, oh, here we go. You better start saving. <laughs> like vocationally, what kind of lifestyle do they match? Because if they don't, in the dating world, you can get along pretty well dating and not have these things match. But when you get married, these are huge issues. Where are you gonna live? How much are you gonna make? What kind of friends are we gonna have? Are you willing to up and move at a moment's notice and away from your family? Like all these questions that come up. Vocational chemistry, we need it. And then lastly, and you probably thought I'd never get there, physically. Yes, this is an important thing. When, I, when we talked, uh, I think it was week two maybe, and I said, you need character over chemistry, uh, what, somebody in here came up to me afterwards and said, well, is it, is it okay if, uh, like I, what, if I break up with somebody because I'm not physically attracted to them, is that shallow? I was like, no, no, it's not. That's important. It's very important. Because you're going to look at that face the rest of your life. Right? You're going to look at that nose and those eyes, and the hair. And guess what? Seven o'clock in the morning does not look the same as seven o'clock at night. It just doesn't. Something changes, okay? But it is important. And I will, when I talk about this particular subject, I will always give a, 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 a warning. Is it okay to ask the question, um, am I physically attracted to them? Yes, it is okay to ask that question. It is good to ask that question. But it shouldn't be the first question. 
because those characteristics that you like physically will diminish over time. I've never seen a 60-year-old that looks like a 25-year-old. It does not happen. It's a good question, but it can't be the question. It can be a factor, but not the factor. I want to give you this case study. If you look at King Saul and King David in the book of First and Second Samuel, Israel wanted a leader. They wanted a king, and they said, we need a king, God. We, all the other countries around us have a king. They were jealous of their singleness. Every other country has a king. God, give us a king. He's like, I'm your king. No, we want a person king. We want a, we want a, a king that we can see. And so he said, okay. And Saul was the guy. And Saul was tall, and he was handsome, and he was horrible. He was insecure, he was irrational, and in the end, he was a destructive leader. But he had all the physical attributes of a, of a mighty king. And then David, he was handsome, but he was short. He was, had a less distinguished job. He was a shepherd. But he was courageous. He was compassionate. He was a warrior. He was a poet. And he was a great leader. The people didn't pick David. They liked Saul. And when Samuel came to David's family to anoint the next king, Everybody thought, well, it's not going to be David. We won't even invite him. Because the way he looked, who he was, the order in the family, it was all this stuff. So is physical chemistry important? Absolutely. But it just shouldn't be the main thing. Character should always be the main thing. So as we finish out this series, this is where we've been, at least tonight. Number one, run your race. You fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, and every once in a while, as you are pursuing Jesus, look to the side and say, who's pursuing him along with me? Who's pursuing? Who's running the race with you? Number two, you gotta figure out your non-negotiables, right? Sorry, I think these are up here. No, they're not. I didn't put them up there. So run your race. Find your non-negotiables. Allegiance. Is probably the biggest one there, pursuer of Christ, running at the same pace. And lastly, find a good fit. Someone that you like being around, someone that vocationally, someone who physically, socially, and theologically align with you. Guys, that's, that's the person that you look at and say, this may be the one. This may be the one. Because all of a sudden, it's not all the characteristics that you're looking for, it's the character. And I don't know about you, I've been married almost 14 years. And although my wife is beautiful, it's not what I love about her most, not even close. I love her character. I love the kind of mother she is. I love what kind of prayer warrior she is. I love how she loves people well. She's a great listener. And all those things will last and only improve. And so yes, I think my wife is hot and I like holding her hand, I, the, the physical chemistry is there. But the things I love about her most is that she's my best friend, and that when we go through the highs of life, I know she'll be with me. When we go through the lows of life, I know she'll be with me. And whether it's the heights of highs or lows of lows, I know my wife Taylor and I are running the same race, we love the same God, and we have the same passion for people to know Jesus.
And so we're going to fight. We're going to hurt each other's feelings. But at the end of the day, we've made our bed with someone that we are aligned with, that I'm aligned with, that is passionate about the same things and has the character of Christ. That's who you should date because that's honestly who you want to marry. That's who you want to marry. You don't want to marry a flash in the pan. You want to marry someone who's solid, running the race, the same direction at the same pace you are. And then no matter what happens in life, you'll thank God for that person. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this evening. Thank you for um, your word, God, that just guides us and leads us, that gives us principles um, that enlighten our minds, that change our worldviews. Holy Spirit, we just sang to you a little earlier that said you are welcome here, God. I pray that you would, we would welcome you into the hard parts of our life, that we would surrender our dating life to you, that we would trust this season of our life with you, God, that we would see this season of singleness not as a cancer to be cured, but as a season of growth, a season to dig deep roots, to be uh, deeply um, entrenched in your word so that the day we walk down that aisle, we are able to give a gift of a life that has been pursuing you. We are able to give a mind who has grown in knowledge of you. We are able to give a heart that is fully to you and that we would bless our future spouse with the work that we're doing in this season. So God, as we go back into worship, God, I pray that you would do some healing of some wounds, that you would spur us on to a new start. And God, in the end, you would draw us to you because you are the ultimate hope. You are the ultimate relationship goal.